God, he is alive. Many have turned to wooden idols. Some have turned to stone idols. Some have called out metal idols. But the God that we serve, he is alive. In him we live and we survive. He sits high and looks low. He's aware of our needs. The Bible teaches us in Genesis 1 that we were created and made in his image. I'm so glad that the God that we sing praises to and we're so glad about can hear can move, can bless, can forgive. Can take us from this time side of life and reward us with something so great. A place called heaven. A piece of wood can't do that. A piece of stone can't do that. Piece of metal can't do that. But the God, Jehovah God, we serve. He's alive. There's no one greater than him. He is the great I am. I'm so glad that I have him as my God. And the beautiful thing is, he wants to be. Everyone's God. Not only does he want to be everyone's God, he wants every man to be saved. He wants to save every man from his sins, out of his sins. I'm so glad that I serve a God and we serve a God that can do that. You can talk to a statue all day. It won't answer. It won't bless. It can't heal. It can't do anything for you but offer false hope. But the God we serve, the God Almighty, we know He's alive. He's well. And He's waiting for you to make up your mind to allow him to be your God so that you can be his people. I'm so glad that I serve a God who is mightier than any fear or any obstacle that I can encounter in this life. So glad I served that God we just got through singing about. Because knowing He is who He is, I can have confidence. My heart doesn't have to be troubled or worried. 
I know someone cares and I know someone is always there. Even in the midst when it seems like you may be all by yourself, there is a God. And he is alive. Good morning to you. To those who are visiting with us this morning, we have designated this Sunday, the third Sunday of each quarter, as our friends and family Sunday. And we go out and invite and plead with people to come hear the good news of the gospel. And come here and learn about this blood-bought institution called the Church of Christ that is concerned about your soul, that wants you to know the truth according to the Bible and not according to any creeds or conferences that men may gather together and hold to change what thus says the Lord. We designate this Sunday to invite you to come ask questions, to learn more about what the will of God is and what God would have you to do to be saved according to what the Bible teaches, not according to the traditions of men and what people may mislead you into understanding and believing. We care about your soul. We care more about your soul than your money. What did he say? <laughs> we care more about your soul than your money. Because the truth be told, unless you're in the right fellowship with God, your money means nothing to him. Amen. Believe it or not, it's all his Anyway, he has just provided a way for you to make some and have some. But we are more concerned about your soul. Because the question was asked, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world? Make all the money. And die and lose his soul. What will it profit you to have a big bank account? What will it profit you to have all the CDs and all of the savings that you can imagine and die outside of Christ? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Your soul is valuable. Your soul is the most valuable possession you will ever have. And that's why we plead, we reach out, we go out, we stand firm on the Bible, God's inspired teachings to plead with people that they need to come hear the truth and stop being misguided by feelings and false doctrines. We care more about your soul than your money. You can go tell whoever you want 
that we said that, but it's the truth. We don't depend on money. We depend on God. It takes money to live. But even with money, if you don't give it in the right way, the way God has commanded, it's still not acceptable unto God. Money can't buy you a place in heaven. You can write the largest check you want. You could drop a bundle in the plate. Money can't buy you a place in heaven. Faith, obedience unto God can get you in the heaven. That's what this is all about. Bringing you into the knowledge of truth that you may obey what is commanded so that you may be saved according to what is written in the inspired book we call the Bible. And I hope and pray you will be humble enough today to embrace us, to lend an ear, to hear what the Word of God has to say. Because it's no, mis it's no mistake that you're here today. Someone has made a plea to you. Someone extended an invitation to you. They did it because they love you. They did it because they care about your soul. They did it because it is what God has charged us to do as Christians to go out and preach, teach, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And to teach them whatsoever he has commanded us. It's not that we're running a racket. It's not that we're trying to play a game. It's because we care about your soul. Is that all right? So if you're visiting with us today for the first time, or maybe you've been here before, but yet still you haven't surrendered your will to be baptized for the remission of your sin. This is why we teach what we teach. This is why we're not about entertaining. Life is short. Death is certain. And we don't know where death is. And according to the Bible, Hebrews 9.27, we all have an appointment called death. So appointed of a man wants to die. And after death, there shall be a judgment. As it was said in the inspirational reading this morning, the song, after death, what then? Our soul is going to live on forever, somewhere, throughout eternity. What are you playing? Where are you playing to spend your eternity? I hope and pray that you will make up your mind today and follow Jesus. You're going to die for certain. And you can't abuse the grace 
and the mercy of God by living any kind of way you want to, talking any kind of way, doing any kind of things you want to, and then just expect God to overlook it and say, come on in. Folks, there's a process. And that process is surrounded by obedience. Through accepting what is commanded in the word of God and obeying his commandments. Jesus said in Matthew 28 and 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. God declared and stamped his approval that Jesus, his son, is the one we need to listen to. Hear ye him. Jesus is his only begotten. Hear ye him. And Jesus instructed some things you need to be mindful of considering. If you want heaven one day, to be your home. This morning, our lesson text is taken from Matthew chapter 8. Based upon Jesus is willing and able, but the question is, are you? In Matthew chapter 8, we find a setting where Jesus did a lot of healing. Amen. He started this healing off with a man who came unto him who was a leper. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. Jesus had a way of attracting a crowd. Amen. You ever notice that? A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, <coughs> You can make me clean. You know what just jumped out at me when I, when I read this? He didn't ask Jesus, can you heal me? He said, I know you can. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you want to heal me, if you want to make me clean, I know you can. Now I want you to stop and think about this for a moment. Verse 3 said, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Wait a minute. Leprosy was a deadly disease. Leprosy was something people stayed away from when people contracted it. But the Bible says Jesus reached out his hand and touched it. But that Jesus is something else. Always doing what you never expect man to do. Matter of fact, people who contracted leprosy, they were banned to leprosy colonies. They were shunned. They, they, they were 
ostracized to stay away from everybody else. When the leper came around, they were told to announce themselves as a leper so that the people couldn't get out of the way. But I noticed something here. It said that a man with leprosy among the Lord's crowd followed him. And he came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Is there anything too hard for God? Surely not. And Jesus did not allow this man's condition to change his heart. Whereas other men may have fled, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man, and he said, listen to what Jesus said, I am willing. I'm willing to do this for you. He said, and he spoke two words, be clean. Be clean. He didn't call for the surgeons. He didn't call for the doctors. He didn't call for anybody to go prep him for outpatient surgery or any other kind of surgery. He just simply said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift. Moses commanded as a testimony to them. A man with leprosy, Jesus declared, be clean. The man approached Jesus. He didn't ask, will you? He said, I know you can cleanse me. I know you can make me clean. Is that arrogance? Is, is that being high-minded? No. That's called having faith. That's called believing in who you believe in. How often do we find ourselves tap dancing around and, well, Lord, I know, offering up all kinds of excuses and talking about, I know I ain't been living right. I know I ain't been doing right. But, but help me this time. Why can't we just go to Jesus and say, I know you can fix this. Lord, this mess that I'm in, I know you can fix it. I need your help. And look at the example, something so deadly, something people fret so greatly, leprosy, an infectious disease that causes severe disfiguring skin, sores, and nerve damage in the arms, legs, and skin areas around the body. Leprosy. Leprosy been around a long time, folks. God has always used leprosy to make a point. God dealing with Moses. He told Moses on one account, put your hand up under your cloak and pull it out. It was covered with leprosy. He said, put it back in. He was healed. 
Naaman, a great soldier, a man of valor. Naaman, captain of the guard, was a great man, valid warrior. But the Bible said, with all of the credentials and all of the great things said about Naaman, the Bible said, but he was a leper. Naaman had a problem. He had leprosy. Naaman went to the king seeking help. He upset the king. The king said, am I God? That you'll come to me seeking a solution for your problem with leprosy? The word got out to the prophet of God, Elijah, that the king had rented his clothes. He was upset. Naaman was told to go see Elijah. Elijah wouldn't come out of the house and he sent word out and told him, go dip seven times in the Jordan River. And Naaman got upset. First of all, you didn't come out to greet me. You know who I am. I know who you are. And I also know what you got. He was upset that he was told to go dip, not just any river, but you sent me to go dip in the dirtiest river. Folks, the point I'm trying to make is, when you got the problem, you don't have the leg to debate. Amen. You need help. Amen. Naaman threw a tantrum. And one of his maidens came and said, you know, if, if he had told you to come out and put on a show and told you to do that, would you have done it? Yeah. Well, why don't you just go and do what the man say? Hmm. Naaman went and did once. He still had leprosy. Twice. Still had leprosy. Why wasn't he healed of his leprosy on the third time? Upon the seventh time, Naaman was healed. God has always used leprosy to teach some lessons. But here's a leper that came unto Jesus and to show you how destructive this disease is. It can disfigure you all over your body. It can just cause fingers and limbs and parts of your body to just fall off. They're just eating away. And can you imagine I don't know to what extent or what degree this man leprosy was, but he was a leper. And the only cure that was available back then was Jesus. 
Man, no man had any kind of cure. So if there was any hope of you living and surviving with leprosy, you had to be healed by Jesus. Not the doctor's office. Jesus was the only hope. And this man, evidently he heard something about Jesus. He learned something about Jesus. He knew something about Jesus. That he would come to Jesus and kneel down before him and say, I know you can make me comfortable. I don't know what he had seen. I don't know what he had heard. I don't know what he had learned about him prior to, but something had occurred in this man's life concerning Jesus that he was convinced that Jesus could heal him. And Jesus healed him. Then he goes on. The faith of a centurion. Centurion. When Jesus had answered Receive 
the help we need from the Lord, we first need to be humble enough to admit, I need some help. And you need to get out of the way. You, you've proven you know how to mess something up. You've proven you can't do it. You've proven you're only going to make it worse as time progresses. There comes a point in your life you need to just step back and say, Lord, I need your help. Amen. I don't care what your status is. I don't care how many people you supervise. I don't care what your status or level is on the corporate ladder. There comes a point, and if you don't believe it, keep living. There comes a point in life, you just need to get yourself out of the way and say, Lord, I need your help. Because without your help, I'm just going to keep messing this thing up. Jesus said, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go. Let it be done just as you believe it would. And his servant was healed at the moment. This is so profound. Jesus said, Go. And based upon your faith, based upon what you believe, let it be. Well, obviously, this centurion had some faith. Jesus declared that he did. And because of this great faith, the servant was healed. Not by a house visit, but because this faith this man had in Jesus. Why do we keep wrestling with the same struggles and problems over and over? Why can't we go to the Lord and just say, Lord, I know you can take this stress out of my life. And guess what? He can but he's not going to arm wrestle you with it. But without faith, you can't please him, Hebrews 11 and 6. You must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. These two men came to Jesus believing. These two men came to Jesus knowing do you know Jesus cared about you? No, no, listen to me. Do you know? Because, see, be careful saying so quickly, I know. Because, see, if you truly know, why are you still struggling with it? Mm -hmm. 
Why, why do you still classify it as your struggle and your problem when it should be the Lord's? Why aren't you sleeping at night in peace? God is awake. Why are you up? Apparently, it's still yours and not his. He don't need you staying up monitoring him, keeping him awake. Making him coffee? Do you know today that Jesus care about you? You may say with your mouth, yes, but your heart still may be far from him. Because you're not sleeping at night. Well, what's keeping you awake? Just thinking. Thinking about what? Just things. What things? You know life. Jesus said, I am the life. John 14, 6 and 4. The way, the truth, and the life. And if you live the life that I command you to live, you wouldn't be up all night tossing and turning. You wouldn't be up worried. You wouldn't be putting yourself in the hospital sick. Running to the doctor. Doctors can't treat sin. Amen. Can't write you a prescription and say, this is going to get rid of the sin of worry in your life. Oh, he can, he can sedate you. He can drug you that you be out of your mind. You can't think straight. But who wants that? But it still don't cure sin. Oh, let me move on. I'm not going to finish all of it. He goes on to heal many. When he came to Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. With a fever. Might be contagious. Never know. Stay clear. Don't get around. No, 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 no. Not Jesus. He touched her hand. What a, what, a, what a man of compassion. What a man of love. What a man of caring. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And you got to give Peter's mother-in-law some props. The Bible said, and she got up and began to wait on him. Bible don't say anything about her sitting around talking about, well, you know, yesterday, two weeks ago, I was sick. <laughs> she got up and began to wait on him. When the evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits <coughs> with what? With the word. And healed all the sick. See, the problem with many of us today, we have allowed too many of the wrong things to speak Amen. things into our lives. Amen. And who needs to speak in our lives is Jesus, the Word. What we need in our life is the Word. But we have accepted and we allow any and every other thing to speak into our lives. That's why so many people's lives are messed up. That's why so many people are confused. 
That's why so many people are going the wrong way about religion. Because you're listening to the wrong voice. The Bible said there were people brought to Jesus who were demon possessed and were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed and healed all the sick. How do you know who's speaking in your life? If you don't study the Bible, if you don't know what the word of the Lord, if you don't know what the words are, how do you know this voice of what you think is being spoken to your life for the good is of God? You know the devil can't lie. He can't deceive. This was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Man, Jesus was on a healing mission. When you say so. From left to right, up and down, to and from, he was healed. He was blessed. Today we have a problem more devastating than leprosy. I think that's fair wrong. It is called Sin. We have a problem today in 2018 called sin. First John 3 and 4. Whosoever committed sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Well, where does the law come from? Jesus. It's the law who speaks the truth, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And if I transgress or do not uphold or abide within what he commands, I violate, I commit sin. And the devastating thing about sin is it separates me from God. Me as a sinner cannot dwell with God and be in fellowship with God because God's nature will not allow God to dwell where sin is. Therefore, I cannot continue Living the way I want to live, doing the things of the world I want to do, listening to some of the music I want to listen to that defiles my thinking, defy godly morals. I can't be out there dancing and half naked or all naked and showing all kind of parts of my body because it's hot. Because everybody else is wearing that. No. There must be a transformation of my mind in order to walk in the light, in order to be in fellowship with God. Romans 12 and 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye 
transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. I don't prove by blending in and going along. I prove it by enduring. I prove it by being steadfast, unmovable. First Corinthians 15, always abounding. Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't make it right. Sin is our problem today. But thanks be to God. We have a God who's so loving and cares so much that he gave his best. That we no longer have to be a slave to sin. But we can be saved from sin. We no longer have to abide in sin, but we can abide in the light. James 1.21, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. The only thing that can help you today the only thing that can bring you out of a state of lostness into a state of saving is to receive the engrafted word of God and obey it and do what the Lord commands you to do. People want to debate and fuss about well, all of us believe in the same God and we just go about worshiping him and serving him in different ways and why is that such a big issue? It's a big issue because God said, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. It's a big deal because he feeds them four and four and says, there is only one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One body. There's only one body. There's only one Lord. There's only one God. How can you get many different teachings of salvation from one? Jesus prayed in John 17 that we all may be one. Jesus said in John 10, there are many others. I'm sorry, John 17, there are many which are not of this fold, but they must become part of this fold. Not start another fold. The Bible says there's one body. How do you get many different teachings of salvation from one body? There can't be unity if there are divisive teachings. Paul commanded that we all be of the same mind, the same judgment. Right? Speak the truth. How can I be of the same mind if I'm teaching baptism is essential to salvation and you say it's not? How can we serve the one Lord and be in unity with the one Lord, but teaching a different doctrine. 
It's impossible. That's why I say, allow the Bible, allow the Word of God to speak the truth. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Those are the words of Jesus. Jesus declares baptism is essential. And it plays a very important part, a critical part, concerning my salvation and your salvation. Day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, after Peter preached unto them. And they came to the conclusion that they had crucified Jesus, the Son of God. They crucified an innocent man. They crucified Jesus. Acts 2 and 37, when they came to recognize what Peter had spoken, they asked the apostles, Many brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Verse 38, the answer was given. The answer was not go pray the sinner's prayer. The answer was not just go and ask Jesus to come into your heart. The answer given was not just believe and it'll be okay because we all have sinned and come up short. No, the biblical answer given by the Holy Spirit speaking through Peter was repent and be baptized. How many? Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How can one deny that baptism is not essential to salvation? The reason why I'm talking about this because many religions have pointed out and try and they're trying to prove or make the statement you get saved before you get baptized. That is not what you read in Acts 2 and 38. The question was asked in verse 37, what shall we do? Right? The first thing Peter responded was repent. Have a change of heart. Stop believing and going the way you've been going and turn from that direction. Okay, there's a change in my thinking there. Well, if just believing would save me, all I have to do is say, I don't think that way anymore and I'm okay. But he said, repent. And he tied something else into that. Repent and what? Be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you. By whose authority? Jesus. For what? It says to get rid of your sins. Well, when did the remission of sin come into the act of being remitted. It wasn't just on believing. Some other things occurred before the remission of sin took place. There was a burial. There was a baptizing. 
Romans 6, 3 and 4 and following, there was a burial. So you can't say, I was saved. I, was, I received Jesus into my heart and was saved. And I just got baptized because it's an outward sign of an inward grace to show my affiliation with other believers. That is not what the Bible teaches. Prior to baptism, you are not saved. You are on the right path of becoming saved. But salvation does not occur until the sin is removed. And the only way sin can be remitted, you must come in contact with the blood of Jesus. Right. Well, how can the blood of Jesus remit my sin prior to the burial? And it's in the act of baptizing by faith we come in contact with the blood. So if I haven't been down in the water, how can I be cleansed? Some would say, well, I got baptized as a little child. Well, baptism is not valid unless there's an understanding of the purpose of it. If, if, you, don't, if you didn't know what sin was, what are you being remitted of? What were you committing? If you got baptized as a child lacking understanding of why you were getting baptized, I got baptized but my mama wanted me to get baptized. My grandparents wanted me to get baptized. That ain't what Acts 2.38 said. It said repent and be baptized every one of you. For what? For the remission of sin. In the name of Jesus, for the remission of sin. Not to please your mama. Not to please your grandparents. Not to please your daddy. But to come into a proper relationship, a clean relationship with God. 1 Peter 3, 21. Whereby the life figure, whereby baptism doth all soul now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. It's not a bad. It's not something you 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 do to wash your outer body. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but through obedience and understanding that will bring you into the right relationship. A clean conscience. Having a clean conscience with God. But how can you be cleansed without coming in contact with the cleansing agent? The blood. The problem in our society today is so many are refusing the blessing that God has offered and is offering through his only begotten son because we want to hold on to false doctrine. I stand here today and say unto you, baptism is essential to salvation. Amen. Prior to baptism, there is no salvation based upon what the Bible teaches. 
You can't choose to accept baptism or deny baptism and be saved and be in the light and walk in the light and be in fellowship with the Lord. Jesus commanded baptism. <clears throat> the apostles taught and commanded baptism. <clears throat> if they commanded baptism, who authorized a change in what the apostles taught? I beg you today to consider your ways. To see if you are truly in the faith. We're not just some people who think we're the only ones going to heaven. And I know that, that that's a bad rap we have in the church of Christ. Folks said they think they're the only ones going. But let me tell you, there are, there are those in the church of Christ who won't go. And it's not because God didn't want them to be saved, they chose not to be faithful. <coughs> but regardless of what other people may do, don't you want to be saved? Don't you want to go to heaven? Don't you want to be among that number? You've heard enough today that should stir up your thinking and cause you to look back, and my question to you is, can you prove your salvation with the book? I don't want to hear about what a commentary say. I don't want to hear about what they voted on at a conference. I want to know, can you prove the basis of your salvation with the word? If Jesus did not give the authority for it, how in the world is he going to save you by? There's one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one spirit. One, 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 one. And, but you know what? It, they, are they all equal? One. You ain't gonna find no other math anywhere that can give you so many different ones and still equal one. <laughs> because they're all in agreement. Consider your ways. We love you enough to invite you, to plead with you. We, we love you enough to even want to study more with you if you have questions. Many other religions are not gonna say, you have the freedom to come and question us regarding what we teach. Well, the reason we are open to it because it's not ours. It's the Lord's. And it is what will save your soul. If people could approach Jesus and ask him questions, if people could approach Jesus and tell him, I know you can heal me. I know you can cleanse me. If people could approach Jesus and have a conversation, what man walking around today is greater than Jesus? To tell anyone, don't question me or don't touch me. 
Woe be unto him. I've said enough. Didn't halfway get through what I wanted to. But I believe I've said enough to cause you to think. I hope and pray I did. And I believe I've said enough for you to recognize we have a loving Savior who wants to heal, who wants to bless you, who loves you so much that he left heaven. Even while we were yet sinners, he left heaven and came down to this earth in the form of a man and laid down his life. I'm asking you, are you willing to surrender your will today? And be saved according to what you see in the Bible, not according to what you think or what you thought you felt. Grandmamaology won't be at the judgment. Granddaddyology won't be at the judgment. Mamaology or daddyology won't be at the judgment. John 12, 48 says these same words will be there. Mark 16, 16, Matthew 28, 19, 20, 1 Peter 3, 21, Romans 6, 3 and 4, Acts 22, 16, all of these references regarding baptism will be at the judgment. Why would you take the risk of dying? Walking out of here today and not being baptized for the remission of your sin. If you desire to be baptized today, we're going to be standing in a moment and singing what we call an invitation song. It's a song to encourage one to, to make right what they need to make right with God. Whether it be through repentance, whether it be requesting prayer, whether it be being baptized. We'll baptize you today. All we ask you to do is come forward. Have a seat on the front row. We'll take some information about you and then we will proceed on and baptize you today. Not the third Sunday, not the fourth Sunday, not the first Sunday, today. But today is all you have. Amen. Will you come? Dory, what's our song? 598. 598 is the invitation song. I pray you'll make good of this blessing. God has made available for you today because it's not by chance or not by mistake that you're here today to hear what you've heard. And remember, what you've heard today